Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You're now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. And on your preferred podcast player of choice, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know. Your ass better call somebody. Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we are live on the airwaves right now. And if you're gonna be listening a little bit later on the podcast, then welcome to that as well. Not only are we on those platforms, but for tonight, I'm on Facebook Live since I'm doing this solo. So, shout out to everybody who's watching on Facebook Live right now. I see you guys. I see you. Please feel free to chime in on the comments. Um, I won't be reading them on air verbatim just because I have the device positioned in front of me. So, I don't see the label, or not the labels. I don't see the comments that you guys have right now because it's positioned to the back of me. If you know what I mean by that. Basically, I have the camera on reverse, on the reverse angle. So that's what I mean by that. But nonetheless, I will get back to all those comments as soon as I can. But please feel free to drop some feedback in there as well. It's more than welcome. Um, We have a lot to get to tonight. All right? We definitely have a lot to get to tonight. I originally had a guest on for tonight, but she wasn't able to come through. Uh, But we have that rescheduled for another week. But I'm kind of glad at the same time, though, because... There's so much to discuss tonight. We got to discuss R. Kelly's um, tirade uh, in front of Gail King. We got to talk about the Leaving Neverland documentary. We got to talk about how that all intertwines with counterculture. On top of that, Will Smith is in the news. Kanye is in the news. And a whole bunch of other things. But before we get to all that, you guys already know that I have some grievances to get off my chest and this won't take long because i know you guys want to get to that more controversial stuff but indulge me for a second um with that said it's time to let that ish breathe oh you didn't Uh-oh. know let this bitch breathe at two drops playing at the same time jeez all right so what i want to talk about to get things started off is this and you guys know i'm a big basketball fan ball is life uh, shout out to the Ballside like Facebook group. Um, and shout outs to one of my sponsors, actually. Shout outs to liveatthe6.com. They're a blog that discusses a whole bunch of things that happen within the Toronto circuit, whether it's lifestyle, fashion, cuisine, you name it. Uh, I'm part of their entertainment section, so to speak. So make sure you check that blog out. It's liveatthe6.com. And you can see some cool radio content on their website as well. So shout outs to those guys. And also, this is very important as well. Shout outs to all the women out there who are being honored today with international women's day all over the globe whether it's your friend your girlfriend your wife your mother your niece whomever give her a big hug kiss on the cheek whatever the case may be and let her know that she is appreciated there are so many influential women who have paved the way in their own regard in whatever industry they're in and not only should this be a day for us to celebrate that but Every day or as many days as possible should be celebrated uh, in regards to women and the contributions that they've made as well. So big ups to them. They definitely deserve it, no doubt. Now, let's get into a little bit of basketball talk, all right? Because I've been chopping at the bit to discuss this following thing. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to discuss the Raptors because... 
they're doing very well. <coughs> what I will discuss, however, are the fledging Los Angeles Lakers, all right? And you know I'm about to get my petty party on because I remember like it was yesterday that I dropped my annual predictions, pardon me, that I normally drop around August, like right before September, because that's when training camp happens and free agency and trades and all that is basically done. And I had the Lakers at seventh in my Western Conference standings, okay? Now, I figured, you know, with LeBron being on the team, he's going to will that team to the playoffs regardless, and him not having a strong supporting cast like he's had in the past is going to hurt him, especially in the West. So I thought I was being generous by giving him seventh. But what happened? Oh, everyone came out with the pitchforks and the tiki torches. Everybody wanted to roast me and crucify me and sacrifice me in front of their deity. All right? That's exactly what happened. Everyone's saying, oh, you're a hater. Oh, you don't believe in LeBron. Da, 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 da. It's not that I didn't believe in LeBron. I always believe in LeBron. I don't believe in the people he has around him. Because not, and it's not an omission of their talent. It's that their talents don't fit his style of play. And if Irvin Johnson, not Magic Johnson, if Irvin Johnson and Robbery Palinka actually did their homework on LeBron, then they would know what kind of players to put around them. But what did they do? They rested on their laurels of them being a part of Laker culture and purple and gold dynasty and all the other frivolous BS, and it prevented them from doing their job as front office executives. Their main purpose for the Los Angeles Lakers was to bring talent to put around LeBron. The only thing that they did good was sign LeBron. After that, they rested on their on their lazy boy couches and called it a day. If these guys were smart, this is what they would have done. First of all, before even getting LeBron, they should have traded for Paul George. The minute Paul George said he wanted to he was not going to re-sign with Indiana and that he was going to sign with the Lakers immediately, the Lakers should have made a deal. They should have made a deal. But instead what happens, he gets sent to OKC. But they don't even worry about it. They don't even worry about it. They just say to themselves, oh, let him be there for a year. Uh, come next year, he'll sign with the Lakers. But lo and behold, he re-signs with OKC. So they mess up on that end. All right, so let's go to Kawhi Leonard then. They had a chance to, to uh, make a trade for Kawhi Leonard because according to you know Uncle Dennis and his camp, he wanted to go to Los Angeles, preferably the Lakers rather than the Clippers, but Los Angeles nonetheless. So, again, Magic, or sorry, Irvin, Irvin and Robber, uh, they sit on their hands, they do nothing, and before you know it, Kawhi Leonard gets traded to the Eastern Conference to uh, our squad, Toronto, yay. Um, and then they also had the opportunity to make a trade for Bradley Beal during that same offseason because, let's be honest, the Wizards were the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. That was a low point for them. And on top of that, they got exited in the first round to, uh, by hands of the Raptors. So that would have been the perfect opportunity uh, to hit the rebuild or reset button for the Wizards. And they easily could have made a play for uh, Bradley Beal from one of their younger pieces. But what do they do? They say, now nah, we're good. And they didn't make a play for him. And that would have been one of the more friendlier contracts that, that, that they would have taken on as well. Because he's already into a five-year deal worth 128 mil. I think he's only in the second year of that. 
And he's still only, what, 24, maybe 25 at the oldest? And he is a player who has a skill set that fits LeBron James' style. But what happens? They still sit on their hands and say, now nah, we're good. So fast forward, the season comes into play, and they're doing pretty good. They're doing as I predicted. They even went as high as fourth place in the West, which only lasted for a week, and people are out here acting like it lasted for like three months. Like, just, just cool. It wasn't that serious. It was like a week. And then LeBron ha- and then LeBron's injury happens. And one of the reasons why I said that the Lakers did wrong by LeBron was because of the fact that they did not add another superstar or star-level player alongside him in case if something like this happens to him. Because the man is, what, 34, 35? Like, he's not a young, spry chicken anymore. Like, the man, he's still a mortal man at the end of the day. He, he's in an impeccable shape. I'll give him that. But at the end of the day, Father Time catches up to everybody. So that was their mistake. And then Lonzo Ball gets injured. He's their primary playmaker. He gets injured as well. And according to reports today, he may be out for the rest of the season. All right? So the lack of ineptitude from the front office is what did them this year. Uh, Starting at the beginning of the offseason, not even last offseason, but offseason of 2017, and then now the injuries. And now fast forward, the whole Anthony Davis saga. Now, I still put major blame on Irvin and Robert Polinka, but some culpability deserves to go to LeBron, let's be honest, because you talking Anthony Davis' name in the news and talking about, oh, yeah, I would love to have him here, et cetera, et cetera, it looks bad on you because, A, you have a reputation of being the GM on every team that you've been on, and, B, the man owns or co-owns his own sports agency while still being an active player. That has conflict of interest written all over it. So obviously it's not going to be a good look when there are reports coming out that are being uh, distributed by by Adrian Wojnarowski and other respected journalists in the industry saying that uh, Johnson and all these other guys are offering X, Y, and Z for Anthony Davis. And this trade or this proposed trade gets announced like 10 days before the deadline. That's not, that's not how you do business. I mean – AD and, and Clutch Sports, they mess up on, on that end as well. But if you really want a transcendent player like Anthony Davis on your squad, a deal should have been made, again, during the summertime. And now look at where they are. All because you rested on your laurels of Lakers dynasty, Laker culture, purple and gold Kool-Aid drinking. Go, go, go. That's what you guys rested on. And now you guys are five games under five hundred. You are putting LeBron James on a minutes restriction, and you're already looking towards next season. Why? Because you guys couldn't do your job. You guys are so drunk off of your own hype and off of your own privileged silver spoon equity that you guys prevented your own selves from doing your damn jobs. This is why LeBron, if he wanted to go to L.A., should have gone to the Clippers because Jerry West is the executive over there. And every team that he's gone to has either, at the very least, been a playoff team and at the highest has been a champion. Look no more recently than the Golden State Warriors. He was there when they drafted Alexis Steph and Clay and Draymond and built a nucleus around those guys to make them uh, our contemporary dynasty for this current decade. And now he's in... Now he's in Clipperland, and he's trying to do the same thing, And I, I imagine, by making the right moves. And they made moves so that they could make moves for the following season to be contenders. But they still find themselves in the, in, in the playoff hunt. You can't even say the same for the Lakers, and they have LeBron James. 
Add to the fact that these guys can't even develop their own talent properly, and you have a list of problems. Look at D'Angelo Russell. The man's an all-star now. Look at Julius Randle. The man is probably one of the best rotation players in the league right now in New Orleans. I guarantee if Brandon Ingram was on a different squad where they actually took their time to develop him, he would be in a much better, uh, much better position. And I think the same could go for Lonzo Ball as well. I think he'd be in a much better position had he been on another team. And what I don't understand about the Lakers organization and Lakers fans is that they expect these young guys to be superstars immediately just like that. I feel like they almost look at the Boston situation like Jason Tatum, for example, and they say, oh, why can't you have that? You guys didn't groom these guys properly. That's the problem. You put them in there. You basically sent them out to the Wolves and said, become superstars because LeBron only has about four years left. It's not how you do it, guys. It's not how you do it. So all in all, I don't feel sorry for the Lakers. I don't feel sorry for their fans either. I'm sorry. I really don't. You know, let's talk about, oh, well, Kobe would have gotten us in the playoffs. You would Shut up. Shut up. Kobe did not make the playoffs for the final three years of his career after after his injury. So shut up about that. Miss me with that. So I'm trying to compare MJ, uh, uh, Kobe to MJ because he's not MJ. He's an MJ remix at best, but he's not MJ. So I'm trying to compare Kobe to LeBron because they're two completely different players. I don't know, man. Laker fans, like, they are the most spoiled, entitled people that I've ever come across. Man. It, it, in, in terms of sports, I don't know them outside of their personal lives or whatever, but... Their, their thirstiness for greatness without having to work towards it, it astounds me. It astounds me. They remind me of the kid in high school who's crying and sobbing because their parents bought them a purple Mercedes-Benz instead of the blue one. When in actuality, I'd be looking at that person and be like, bitch, you got a car, let alone a Mercedes-Benz. You got a car for your 16th birthday. That, to me, are Laker fans. But anyways, I could go for days about that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it at that because you have more pressing things to attend to. But what do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know. Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. Coming up after the break, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about MJ. We're going to talk about, uh, as in Michael Jackson. We're going to talk about R. Kelly. And we're going to talk about can- cancel culture and how they all intertwine into that. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. And we'll be right back after the break. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Um, Yeah. I think I started to... Uh, get in on this i don't know what you guys think but i definitely think it's time to get on this let's talk about michael jackson let's talk about r kelly and let's talk about a little thing called cancel culture that has become quite prevalent within the last year or two i would say so let's start off with let's start off with uh r kelly let's start off with r kelly first so r kelly and trust me, I'll get more specifically into R. Kelly later on in the show. But R. Kelly made headlines this week when he was interviewed by Gail King on, uh, what was it, CBS, about the charges and the allegations that he's been facing as of recent in, re- in regards to you know uh, sexual abuse and holding women, women captive. And he made a big scene out of it. He made a huge scene out of it crying on camera and all these things, like being very animated and what have you. And then, you know, all this stems from the documentary that, that came out 
I believe it was late last year. It was either was it late last year or early this year. I think it was early this year. Uh, Surviving R. Kelly, which premiered on Lifetime. And it was a six-part docuseries. And it was a lot of the people who are describing the events um, that took place between themselves and R. Kelly or people who are around the situation. And there are so many accounts dating all the way back to 1993 when he was first dating Aaliyah and how he, he uh, falsified a marriage certificate in order to marry her at age 15 and so on and so forth. I'm sure we've all seen or at least heard of it. And then all the other crimes that he's had uh, since then, basically, and how they've just been following each other one after the other after the other. So there's that. And then we have Michael Jackson. Uh, with Michael Jackson, this was more of, and I'm talking about his Leaving Neverland documentary. This was more from the perspective of two of the boys who were allegedly uh, uh, molested by Michael Jackson. We're talking about two gentlemen by the, who go by the name of, uh, I believe, James and Wade. Um, and they're they're grown adults now. They're probably in their late 30s, if I can imagine. Um, and basically, it was their firsthand accounts of what happened while they're at the Neverland Ranch. And they got, also got uh, accounts from their parents as well, both of their mothers and then some of their siblings and friends and what have you. And they were really going into very intimate details. Well, the, the boys, I mean, James and Wade, they were going into very intimate details about their encounters with Michael Jackson as far as sexual encounters are concerned so i don't want to get too specific with the details but they were very graphic to say the least and it's very disturbing um mainly because of the fact that these are accounts that they're detailing while they were eight nine years old where they're very young boys and they're and the encounters were very sexual and one of the things i found interesting about it is that they didn't see anything wrong with what they were doing with Michael by themselves in a room. And one of the things that I found very disturbing on top of all of that was the fact, or I can't say the fact because, again, all of this is alleged. Um, one thing that I did find disturbing was those boys describing how MJ would allegedly make them watch porn before they engage in these sexual acts. So it's like you're if these accounts are true, then like as an adult, you're showing little children pornography before you decide to engage in sexual activity with them. That that's disgusting. That if that is in fact true. Um so those are just some of the accounts that are being, you know, described and depicted in this uh docuseries. So I watched part one, I haven't watched part two. I imagine part two goes into the trial and the testimony and what have you. So I haven't gotten a chance to watch that yet. Um but essentially we are we're all somewhat familiar with the trial proceedings and what happened and how MJ was acquitted of the charges and what have you. Now I say all this because those two names, R. Kelly and Michael Jackson, have been brought up in what is known as cancel culture. And cancel culture, for those of you who are not familiar with the term, is when you decide to unsubscribe from a celebrity because because of acts that he or she may have committed that basically devolve away from your moral compass. So in the instance of R. Kelly, because of the fact, and I can say the fact on this because this has been happening since 1993, the fact that he has been abusing 
um, multiple women and most of them underage women for so long that you decide not to listen to their music anymore going forward and you decide to never listen to any of their past music as well. That is in a nutshell, is cancel culture. So a lot of people are saying cancel R. Kelly, cancel Michael Jackson, and it's going to the point where you have you now have radio stations that will no longer play R. Kelly's music but will no longer play Michael Jackson's music as well. Now, I understand the whole point of, of uh, cancel culture as well, but I think my main issue with cancel culture is the inconsistency of the ones who are practicing cancel culture. For example, when it comes to R. Kelly, he's been doing his nasty shenanigans for a very long time, especially after the uh, the P tape, the first one from like the early 2000s. After that, it should have been cancel R. Kelly. Now, mind you, cancel culture wasn't around back then, and neither was social media, so I get it. But I don't think I don't I don't think that cancel culture should be reactionary. And I think that's the main problem right there. Instead of it being proactive, I think it's very reactionary. So the moment we hear about a story and it gets stretched into a docuseries of some sort, for example, then it's cancel culture. It's cancel this, cancel that. I think we should have that we should have the same strength and keep that same energy all the way through going forward. As long as we know the evidence and the facts and what have you, of course, not just canceling it for for the sake of it. But I think the problem with cancel culture that the one of the flaws with it is that it's very reactionary. We can't just say cancel that. No, we have to cancel it once we know all the facts, and then once we do, then let's attack the source. Because with Michael Jackson, we've heard about these cases before. We've heard about the cases with the two gentlemen. Uh, that I just mentioned. We also heard about the case with another with another young boy. I can't remember what his name was. Um, there was there's instances with Corey Feldman, with Macaulay Culkin, and and a few other people. And even though we had questions about it, we didn't really hear a lot of people, you know, demonizing his music and saying, you know, to hell with Michael Jackson or anything like that. Especially after his death as well. After his death, it was more of like a celebration of his life and what he brought to the music industry and what have you. But between 2009, the year that he died, up until now, we haven't really heard about cancel culture. Not until, well, in regards to Michael Jackson, and not until this docuseries came out just this week that people are now saying cancel Michael, cancel Michael. I just think there needs to be a bit more consistency when it comes to things of that nature. And, you know, speaking of that, um, I I believe Oprah Winfrey was interviewing people on like a after show for the uh, the the documentary, and I haven't watched that portion of it, but apparently she started to demonize Michael Jackson and and, and just started to condemn him and what have you. So again, it, it kind of goes back to the whole reactionary portion of it, and I think I remember vaguely when he died about 10 years ago she was kind of celebrating him and honoring him because of his contributions to the music industry even though these cases happen obviously of course before his death so again it goes back to consistency it goes back to keeping the same energy and i know a lot of people who are talking about oprah winfrey you know not doing that are also talking about her and her affiliation and friendship with harvey weinstein and what have you and Harvey Weinstein, as you all know, has been one of the major figureheads of cancel culture in regards to him and how he uh, was a predator towards young women who were looking for a career in Hollywood. And he was using his power and his influence to coerce these young females into doing sexual acts for him. Um, 
in exchange for a potential career in Hollywood. And if they decided to decline, then he would make sure that he would basically close off any opportunities that they would have going forward in that regard. And it's, I mentioned Harvey Weinstein as well because when we're talking about cancel culture, it's normally the black, or lately I should say, the, the black celebrities that we've seen that have been the uh, primary focus of cancel culture. So, again, R. Kelly, Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby is another person that's been mentioned in there as well. Um, but I do find that there are some people who are complaining. I, I don't want to say complaining because that sounds very childish, but there are some people who are dissatisfied with the fact that these figures are mentioned a lot more than people like uh, John Travolta, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Woody Allen, or sorry, not Woody Allen. Um, was it Woody Allen? Not Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah, Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Yeah, sorry, I was thinking of Tim Allen. I don't know why I was thinking of Tim Allen, and and a few other people as well. And while I understand that you want it to be even as well as far as you know, black entertainers versus white entertainers. We can't ignore the fact that black, white, whatever their skin color may be, that these people did unspeakable crimes to unsuspecting women that didn't deserve that at all. I think that's the bigger picture. We shouldn't necessarily uh, focus on the race component, and I get it. Black people and people of color always get the short end of the stick when it comes to crimes, and they always get unjustly crucified for that in terms of the, the, uh, the level of the punishment, especially if they didn't do the crime as well. But again, we have to look at the bigger picture. Bill Cosby and all those women that he raped from the 60s going on. R. Kelly and all those young girls that he sodomized, basically. Michael Jackson, this one's a little shaky. We don't really know for sure. But between this testimony and his behavioral patterns, we can at least agree that something potentially happened. And there are some people who are also stating that, well, where's the documentary for Harvey Weinstein and where's the documentary for Woody Allen and where's the documentary for the Catholic Church for all those priests uh, touching those little boys as well. Well, it just so happens that there are documentaries that have come out about these people or there are documentaries that are in the works. Because we have to keep in mind, these documentaries that have come out about uh, R. Kelly and Michael Jackson, they, they didn't just appear out of thin air. These things have been in the work for years. Like Documentaries take years to film because you want to get as much information and content as possible. You have to make sure that you get clearance from certain people. You have to get in contact with certain people. It takes a long time to build a proper documentary. And so the fact that you know it comes out now, it's just a matter of timing. You could question the timing of it all, but you don't know how long it took to piece that, docu that documentary together. So that's one thing that you got to keep in mind of. And secondly, in going back to the documentaries about like other other uh, perpetrators, there's a whole bunch on a lot of people that I just that I just uh, mentioned. So as far as Harvey Weinstein is concerned, there's a 60 Minutes uh, documentary that was done on him in Australia. There's also one that was done on 2020 entitled Shame and Scandal in Hollywood. Uh, there was one done with BBC. Like, there is literally, like, I'm looking at this list right now. There's at least half a dozen that were done on Harvey Weinstein. There's also ones done on Roman Polanski, and one of them was an HBO special called Wanted and Desired. So, and Roman Polanski, in case you don't know, like, that's a big one right there. So, do some research on that one if you're not really familiar with Roman Polanski. Uh, there's Woody Allen that I just mentioned. There's the Catholic Church. 
And there's also some documentaries that are done on the U.S. military and how there's a lot of rape that happens within the U.S. military. But no one talks about that because when it comes to the military, it's all about honoring the troops and they're fighting for our lives and what have you. And that may be true, but at the same time, there is dirt that happens within that arena as well that should not be ignored. So I bring that up to say, instead of focusing on what's being presented in front of you, right in front of your face, do some research. Take a look at Google. like It's right there for you. Take a look. Do the research and figure out what documentaries are out there that you can promote yourself if you like to. Because the problem isn't with TV, TV studios not producing these documentaries or not picking them up. The problem is the media and how they choose to fixate on particular people. So if you are one of those people who are upset at the fact that it's only black celebrities that are getting these major documentaries and what have you, your aim or sorry, your blame should be aimed towards the media that chooses to focus on those people. And also the fact that you have to understand that when it comes to people like R. Kelly and Michael Jackson, from a front and center standpoint, they changed the face of pop culture. Certainly Michael Jackson and R. Kelly made his contributions as well. They are the entertainers, so they're the ones who are going to get most of the spotlight. A lot of the people that I just mentioned, you know, Harvey Weinstein, he's an executive. Executives don't really have a face per se. Like, you'll hear about them and stuff like that, but they're not really looking for the camera time. So you're not really going to be focusing on them because they don't bring any type of entertainment value to the TV screen or the movie screen. You know, I mentioned Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is an establishment. So they're not going to garner as many headlines as Michael Jackson because you're talking about entertainment versus religion, right? They're too, they're on two opposite ends of the spectrum in that regard. And then with the U.S. military, I mean, dare anyone speak ill of the military? I mean, look at the Colin Kaepernick situation, right? Look how that got spun into a military discussion when it had nothing to do with that in the first place. So there are certain factors at play that people have to keep in mind. Uh, when it comes to those types of scenarios. And then, you know, I'm sure there are going to be people mentioning to me, well, what about you, Dan? You you, know, you, had, you always say so much about Kanye and how you're done with Kanye and everything. You know, how, how come you're not canceling him? Or aren't you canceling him, but now you're saying all this? Well, here's the thing. Yes, I condemned Kanye for his comments and what have you. And yes, I did say going forward, I would no longer be interested in the music that he creates because I just don't agree with what his message is anymore and like what his overall motifs are nowadays. But I never said I would cancel him. I had always said that I would always respect him for the music that he made between 2004 and 2010 and that I will always go back to the music that he made be between 2004 and 2010 because that was his best work. And also his message on the microphone and off the microphone was clear and it appealed to people of color. But his music since then, from 2013 onward, has been lackluster, for lack of a better term. And his message on and off the microphone is damaging to the black community as far as I'm concerned. So, yes, I will still stand by that, but not once I ever say I'm canceling Kanye. Haven't said that before, won't ever say that. Because if I have to cancel Kanye because of whatever work he's put out go, um, going forward within the last six years, that means I got to cancel everything. And I'm not about to do that. 
So I think people in that regard should keep the same energy when they say they're going to cancel something because you can't just conveniently cancel one thing but not cancel another thing that is exactly the same as one thing that you did cancel because now you're being very selective with it. Now you're just being hypocritical and you're only picking and choosing to best suit whatever your narrative is. So that's why I say keep that same energy. So to wrap this particular portion of the show up, um, I would say that, again, when it comes to cancel culture, don't be so hasty. Look into the facts. Don't look at a Twitter or sorry, don't look at a tweet and be like, oh, I'm canceling because that person said something outrageous. No. Be your own individual. Do your own research. Look for the facts. And if you feel like that this is detrimental to your moral compass, then yes, sure, go for it. Do, do the whole cancel culture thing, but just be prepared to cancel everything that is associated with that public figure. Pardon me. Or that entity, that public entity that has done wrong in your eyes and go from there. And in regards to R. Kelly and Michael Jackson, like that is encompassing of that as well. Uh, this Michael Jackson documentary, watch it at your own peril. I will say that. The details are very graphic. Um, and as for R. Kelly, don't worry, guys. I got a lot more R. Kelly stuff for you later on in the show, I guarantee. Um, but yeah, let me, let me know what you think. Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. After the break, we got... Uh, some more things to get to. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we will be right back after the break. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. <clears throat> it is Cool Radio. Now, on to our next topic, which is, or a segment, I should say, which is Trip Talk. Normally, it's three of the highest topics that took place within pop culture, but I'm going to focus on two for this week because I want to spend a lot more time on the final segment. So, with that said, let's get into it. Uh, Kanye West. So, he's in the news this week because um, he is trying to get out of his current contract with EMI, it looks like. Uh, so, first and foremost, I thought he was signed to Def Jam, but that's another story. So, in a report from... Uh, revolt on Monday the Hollywood Reporter shed light on the 41 year old rapper's business agreement with EMI the site revealed Mr. West is contractually obligated to quote unquote remain actively involved in writing recording and producing compositions and major label albums as his principal occupation while under contract with the publishing company and then um, with more details into the report it says and I quote at no time during the term is is Kanye be allowed to retire or take an extended hiatus from his musical duties. And this is the portion of the contract that Kanye was disputing because it won't even allow him to retire. So he's basically locked into this contract. And it doesn't say for however long because usually when it comes to record contracts, they don't lock you in for a certain amount of years. They lock you for a certain amount of albums. So it's not like... Pardon me. It's not like an athlete's contract where LeBron James is signed to four years and the contract is worth X amount of money with the Los Angeles Lakers. When it comes to record contracts, they normally lock you in for X amount of albums that you have to create. And even if you do create an album for them, if they don't like that album, then they can shelf that album and it won't count as part of that contract. And then you have to go and create another album that they approve of. So a lot of artists have gone through contractual you know, obligations and situations before like Lupe Fiasco, was one of was one of the more infamous ones where he wanted to get out of his record deal with Atlantic, and after the cool, he tried to do a triple disc album, which would have qualified as 
filling out his three remaining albums under that contract, which they obviously did not allow him to do. Now, going back to Kanye, um, I find this very interesting and ironic in a somewhat cruel way because it wasn't that far ago that I think it was maybe last year that he stated that slavery was a choice. And it seems like he chose to you know, sign that record contract and that record contract is preventing him from gaining any type of freedom. So, in a sense, in essence, he himself chose to be a slave to that record contract. So, it is a cruel twist of irony in that regard. Um, and I only feel sorry for Kanye in the sense where, as an artist, you want to have your artistic and creative freedom. You want to be able to, you know, let your creativity speak for itself and you don't want it to have any shackles or anything like that. So, from an artistic standpoint, I do feel bad for him, but... I can't say that I feel bad for him overall just because of all the comments that he's made, uh, you know, within the press and what have you. And him being in the music industry for so long, he should be a bit more savvy about these things. You know, especially with him being 41, him being aligned with Jay-Z, one of the most professional businessmen in all of rap. Um, I'm not sure how he let this slip through through his through his fingers, so to speak. And I didn't even know he was with EMI. I thought he was with Def Jam the entire time. So this to me is news. So I'm not sure what is transpiring with this deal right now. I don't know how he's gonna get out of it, but I don't see him getting out of it anytime soon. So that's pretty much on him to work out. Um but yeah, a lot of young artists coming up, like look at that, you know, error and take that as a lesson and learning what not to happen going forward if you do decide to sign a contract to the major record label because for all he knows that could have been a 360 deal as well and 360 deal is when they take a large cut out of everything your publishing your masters uh your the, the money that you, that you make off of merch your touring any uh side projects that you have like a commercial with sprite for example they may take something out of that as well so it's Make sure you have an entertainment lawyer on deck for that or just go the independent route. That way you have more creative freedom and what have you. But either way, what do you guys think about that story? Let me know. Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. Now, this one is pretty interesting. Uh, this one involves Will Smith, all right? Now, Will Smith, he's already caught a bit of flack as a recent because everyone has seen the image of him as the genie uh, for the upcoming Aladdin, uh, Aladdin movie. And I think it's kind of unwarranted, in my personal opinion, as far as uh, the backlash goes, because they haven't even seen the movie yet. But anyways, that's whatever. Um, people are kind of getting mad at him because of the fact that he is at least rumored to be playing the role of the father of Venus and Serena Williams in an upcoming biopic film. And a lot of people are getting mad because they see it as a form of colorism. So for those of you guys who are uninformed, colorism is when um, there is a certain bias given towards people of a darker pigment. Uh, versus people of a lighter pigment. People of a lighter pigment within the same ethnic community may be given more uh, opportunities, more chances, maybe given uh, more benefit of the doubt versus someone who is of that same community but of a darker skin pigment may be faced with more challenges that a lighter skin individual may not see. What have you. Whoa, and my mic just went flying off. Um, but yeah, with that said, a lot of people went on Twitter to say, well, how come they couldn't get a darker skinned black man to play the role you know wasn't Mahershala Ali available where's Idris Elba etc etc so one thing I got to say to that is this this is a rumor we don't know where this rumor came from 
We don't know if Will Smith has even been in talks with whatever film studio that is in the works for this project. We haven't heard anything from the Williams family. We haven't heard anything. We've only heard a rumor. For all we know, this could have came from black Twitter. We don't know that for a fact. So I think people really need to calm down on the escalation on this. Secondly, if, in fact, there is some validity to Will Smith playing the role of uh, the father of the Williams sisters, then we have to know. One of the things that would be, would, be, would be important to know is if Will Smith got the blessing from the Williams family to play that role. Because if they did, then you can't complain. You really can't complain at that point. Because you look at cases like, um, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Angela Bassett. When she played the role of Valletta Wallace in the Notorious film. She doesn't look like Valletta Wallace. She's of a lighter skin tone than Valletta Wallace. But guess what? Valletta Wallace chose her to play the role. All right? And if we were to do a reverse of colorism... um. Chadwick Boseman, he played the role of Thurgood Marshall in the Thurgood Marshall film. And Thurgood Marshall looks nothing alike in regards to Chadwick Boseman. But guess what? Chadwick got the blessing from the Marshall family. In fact, Chadwick didn't even want to play the role. But they they pleaded and begged him to play that role because they wanted him to play the role. So, again, if it's the family asking for this, if they get the blessing from the family, then all bets are off at that point. So again, we have to wait and see if there is any validity to this rumor. And if there is, we have to wait and see if Smith, in fact, got the blessing from the Williams family. So that's another thing. And thirdly, the main important thing to take from this is if he can actually play the role well, then I don't think there should be an issue with that as well. I think that's the main thing that people really need to take, in, take into account of as long as you can play the role and perform the uh, role well. Now, if it was if they got like Tom Hanks or something like that to play the role, then okay, you have a gripe. Or if this was like a, a Zoe Zaldana situation where she played the role of Nina Simone and they basically used makeup to darken her skin and they gave her a prosthetic nose to make it more Afrocentric versus her Eurocentric nose, so to speak, then okay, there's an issue. But if they just get Will Smith to play the role because they believe that he can play that role well, then I don't think there should be an issue of colorism. There are so many color, colorism issues that should uh, be given more focus on because they're more pertinent and they're more important. Like if we're talking about uh, skin bleaching and skin lightening cream and all that stuff, that's more important stuff that, that we should be talking about. Or if it's white actors uh, – playing the roles of black actors like Angelina Jolie did in whatever film she was in back in the day, I can't remember the name of it, then that's an issue as well. But this I don't see as an issue simply because of the fact that we don't have all the facts yet. We just don't. So until we have all the facts, we can't point fingers, we can't judge, we can't be quick to have this instant outrage, and I know we're in the outrage era, but it just doesn't make sense to have that outrage when we don't have all the facts yet. So again, going back to being reactionary, let's not be reactive Let's be proactive. Let's find out the facts first and then go from there. But what do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit me up on social media. Let me know your thoughts. And finally, the segment that you guys have been waiting for. <clears throat> Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And as no surprise, 
The Wankster of the Week goes to none other than singer, songwriter, entertainer, and uh, professional creep, Robert F. Kelly. R. Kelly's getting the Wankster of the Week because of his interview with Gail King uh, on CBS this week, an interview that I told you guys I'd be going more in-depth on towards the end of the show, and I came to deliver. Now, on this... um, on this interview, or in this interview, rather, <clears throat> he was being asked about his uh, his cases that he is now facing in regards to sexual abuse and with, with minors and what have you. And he was trying to plead his case, and he did it in a calm manner at first. But then he became irate and started screaming things out like, I'm fighting for my mother effing life. Um, I'm trying to have a relationship with my kids. You guys are killing me. Tears started coming out. He got up out of his chair, started swinging his arms like Cuba Gooding Jr. in Boys in the Hood. He was doing the most. I don't know if he was auditioning uh, for a Broadway production in which he feels he's going to get a Tony out of, but he did the absolute most in order to try to convince us that he is innocent of whatever that he's being charged with. And I love the fact that um, Gail, uh, Gail King kept her cool the entire time. And while he was having a tirade, he was she was just like, Robert, Robert. And it almost sounded so condescending, like, like, a, like a mother scolding her child. It was great stuff. It was great stuff. Now... There are certain things that he was saying that didn't make any sense, talking about, you know, I wouldn't let kids out. Of, I wouldn't let any of these girls out of the house unless, of course, they had to walk down the street and get some shoes from their uncles. I mean, that was kind of random. Don't know why you would mention that, but okay, sure. Um, and then this was the quote that really stuck out to me personally. I don't know about anyone else, but it was so bad that I had to transcribe it just so I could read it to you guys. And it goes as followed, and I quote, when she asked about him needing help or do you have a problem, he said this, and I quote, this is the kind of help I need. I need somebody to help me not have a big heart, wait for it, because my heart is so big, people betray me and I keep forgiving them. As they say in Toronto, nah, fam. Nah, is it, fam. <laughs> but no, honestly. Honestly, that's a big-ass no. That is a resounding no. That is a hard no. That is a hard pass. A bounce pass. A chest pass. Off the backboard pass. That is a pass in so many regards, okay? No, R. Kelly, no. You do not have a big heart, and you are not a forgiving person at all, and nobody should forgive you for all the atrocities that you have committed for over 25 years. You are a sick individual. The people who are around you who condone that behavior are sick, and you deserve whatever is coming to you. This is very disturbing, very disturbing. Like I don't know if it's a fact where he has lived this life for so long that he believes the lies and has manifested them into truths in his own mind. It sounds like that, but this guy's a predator. Make no mistake about it. The, 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 it's, no, it's not even breadcrumbs that we've been seeing for 25 years. It's loaves of bread at this point. Like The fact that this guy forged a marriage certificate to try and marry Aaliyah, that should have been the first flag. So if anyone wants to cancel R. Kelly, be my guest, because his music is very sexually charged, and it's to the point where you don't know if he's talking about little girls or grown women. 
Because, yes, he has grown women in his life, but the track record shows that it's been a majority of young women. Very young women. Underage women, in fact. So, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sorry. What am I talking I'm not sorry for this. R. Kelly, you're getting the wanks of the week. Do you deserve this wankster? Of course you do. And we're going to drop it one more time, just like this. And that does it for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. To all the people who are tuning in on Facebook Live tonight, I appreciate you guys. I love you all. I try to do this a bit more often, but we'll see how things go. But nonetheless, I thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, next week, my special guest will be the artist known as Kevin. Uh, he will be de debuting some new music, and he's got a few shows coming up as well, so we'll talk about that. And as always, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.